Happy birthday, uh, Meg Thee Stallion. How about that one? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's, you're gonna, she's going to get this after her birthday, but... <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I got you. I got but you. I know All on right. the date that it is your birthday. Oh, okay. Meg Thee Stallion. Okay. How about that one? So I'm All doing, right. doing my little pose here. That's, that's your pose? <laughs> <laughs> that, no. That's confidence. That, that uh, you know, what I'm saying, you know that, me. That that is the, the confidence that you have. <laughs> that pose is to get make the stallion's attention. I like it. I you like know it. me. You've known me I my like whole it. entire life. Okay. I like it. I like you it. know. Yeah, we'll see if it works. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Know. I was at the Hottie Ranch, man. How about that one? You know what I'm saying? I think I still got that money. <laughs> I still got that money too. I think I still got that money. I still got it was the different. Money. Than, it was different than the Usher bucks. Hers yeah. didn't look at Usher, <laughs> Usher. Usher stuff looked realistic. Like I, I feel like I know he threw out real money, but still, it's wild to have your face on different denominations. That's what yeah. the different denominations is what does it for me. Like, and it looked really close because I, yeah. I have the Megan bucks on my mirror. And so I look at them every day. It's a lighter green. The paper's different. It blatantly, and, and it says right there, like huge letters, no monetary value. Most of the time people do that. I think I got, I think there are so many rappers that have made like the money with their face. 50 on. cent, like, I remember that? I got some 50 cent dollars. Yeah, or like you that. gave me like, some of those. It's smaller than... You know, the mm-hmm. other stuff looks like they were trying to make real money. Like he yeah. found a counterfeiter and was like, yeah, let's go with this. Counterfeit, man. I've seen all of that stuff. The Bumby ones, it was. Yeah. I try to collect them all. You know, I don't collect a lot of things. I'm a nerd. I still don't collect wrestling stuff, even though I like it. But you're a collector. You collect a lot of stuff. What's those? Funko Pops? I collect a lot of random things. Funko Pops, board games, you know. You got a gauntlet right behind you. Uh, Yeah, 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 you're right. I got (laughs) random stuff. Just, you know, any any random little thing. Shot glasses. That's what it is. I'm a collector. That's a good thing. I say all that to say, it's not only the others that collect. It's also people like us who are black and ugly as ever. However, I stay Houston down to my socks. It's your boy, Chips Ahoy. Yes, I brought it back in my humble opinion podcast. It's Avery, like a very nice guy. That's me, along with my brother, Jess Devon. That's me. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was just, I was just on the screen and I was like, nah, we gotta go, you know what I'm saying? I was there, y'all saw me, y'all know what I look yeah, like. Yeah, but you know, Jess Devon. Oh, it's the intro. So it's all right, man. It's another In My Humble Opinion podcast. We're back on this podcast journey. We want to thank you guys for taking out your time and actually watching, listening for us or whatever. You could find us. Uh, well, I mean, you could find us where you already found us, but we're also on everywhere you can find podcasts. And we're also on the YouTube. So, Meg, you could you could see me right like this, Meg. You should just, um, you know, what I'm saying? let her know. Like, take, take clips of it. And send it to Meg the Stallion so she could tell me no to my face. But you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, in my humble opinion podcast, that's what we are. This is what we do. 
We like to talk about people that are moving and shaking in Houston. And we like to talk about everything that really has to do with Houston. I mean, we mostly focus on the hip hop scene or everything around it, but the great state of Texas and most importantly, the city of Houston and what means everything to us. And a lot of things that mean everything to us is, I mean, just living in this world. It's, it's a real thing. It's, realness is a, is a thing in our community. It's reality, right? And a person or a group of people that were living a ghetto reality in Texas, okay? Now, what does that phrase mean to you? All right, that phrase changed the life of our next guest. His story and rise to prominence is full of trials and tribulations, and yet also full of so many triumphs. From being in the streets to co-signs from straight up lyricists like the HAWK, Big Pokey, Paul Wall, and to seeing him and his peers rise to legendary. Yes, I know I got in a lot of trouble for using that word a lot, but this person is legendary status to even contributing to the greatest song ever made, Sicko Mode. His story is only one that he can tell himself and it's truly an honor to share a Zoom screen with him. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We actually talked before we started recording, but we'll get into all of that. He's a rapper, he's an influence, he's an entrepreneur, he's a father, he's a husband, and he's an all around good person and also he's, when you see him, he's a, he's a vampire, apparently, because he really didn't age, okay? <laughs> Scooby of the Grip Boys, mostly known as Scoo Yunda, ladies and gentlemen. Scoo Yunda. Scoo Yunda, man. What's yeah. going on? Good. How's it going, brother? Thanks for having me, bro. Man, thanks for having me here. We appreciate you coming on. So, how's that? How are things going for you today? Man, positive, man. Um, like I say, uh, Clothing line, man, has just been keeping us busy, busy. Uh, got a big trip coming up in a couple weeks, man. Um, trying to take it to the next level, and just pretty much working on the projects. Um, got a song that's in the making right now with a very another legend from Houston, uh, you know what I mean? Um, that we grew up on. Um, I could tell y'all zero, so it's the record that the Grid Boys would have zero. Oh, okay. Okay. Now let's let's go back. I mean, before we're uh, looking at, because like I said, my brother said during the intro, we're talking about you're, you're part of the group, the Grit Boys, which which people know, you know, what I mean, and people know that legacy, and it infiltrates a lot of different types of music, like sicko mode or or, or something like that. Before you're even a part of the Grit Boys, like what? What, were you planning on getting into music? What what got you into music initially? Um, I actually, when I was like 10, right? I want to say eight. My mom started buying me like karaoke's and uh, keyboards and just, I don't know why she bought it. I guess I used to ask for it when we went to the store. And then um, when I was like 12, because we live in these apartments, uh, Delphin and Broadway, right? So it was always back and forth to grandma's house and Sunnyside and there. So I guess as we got older and we started being able to watch ourselves, because I have a brother that's three years older. So he's like 15, I'm like 12. So we stand at the house. So I eventually started to notice the neighbor. He's packing equipment in and out. He's, you know, he's having guys come through. <laughs> so one day uh, I saw a Hispanic guy over there, right? 
And then as you know, time went on, I went inside this guy's house and I saw he had a studio. And so I looked up at the poster and I saw it said Hillwood. Hmm. And today, you know, everybody know that South Park Michigan. So when I was like 12, I met him. And then I had a homeboy, right? You know, we always did a lot of freestyling. His name was Hamburger. And I had another homeboy named Matthew. So we used to freestyle at the pool. So that, that's what everybody started knowing me as the little dude that be freestyling. And then uh, I want to say this one, I really, uh, I want to say people started really knowing me more. Like it was an incident where we was at the pool and uh, it was a five-year-old girl, man. I don't know if her father had went to the store or what. So she ended up uh, in a deep part of the pool and uh, I jumped in and saved her, right? And so Fox 26 was there and everything. I'm like ashy on the news and everything. But so that's when really everybody in the apartment store kind of knowing exactly, you know what I'm saying? Different type of people. And then from then on, man, I was going to, uh, so I was 14. You know, I had a friend introduced me to Neat. Neat, me and Neat, we started going to like Stadium Bowl, just the parking lot stuff and just joking, trying to get in. So they had a talent show for $10 to patch up and do that talent show all the time, right? And um, we would lose at first, of course, you know? <laughs> later find out it wasn't about how tight we was, it was about how many people you brought, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. And then so from there, you know, I, uh, I started going to high school at Worthing High School. Uh, Unique went there also. Um, I call him Unique because in the Grid Boys, it's Unique, Poppy, and school. But now today he's Nikki Montana. We kind of reinvent, reinvented ourselves. So we started going, I started going to Worthing. Same thing, man, freestyling. But this time I was a little older and, and I wasn't really interested in school. So I used to skip school every day and do, you know, stuff that, you know, I'm a, well, the teenagers that grew up in my circumstances did, you know what I'm saying? Drugs, whatever, stealing, you know what I'm saying? So. All of that was a blessing to have my mom take me out of word in high school and send me to South Falls. Ah, okay, okay. Right. And so there, I met this substitute teacher, this guy named Todd Berry. He mm. actually produced records for Flip. And you know what I'm saying? He had produced on the Leprechaun. He had produced one on the O album. And then so I went to this school, and that's how I got known, freestyling at the lunch table. So basically freestyling at the lunch table got me to where I'm at now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So this guy, he just, they keep telling me like, man, goddamn, so who is Scooby? So I ended up having him as a sub one time, right? And then um, he didn't really deal with me then. But around the same time, we was going to trade wins and Paul Wall was a DJ there, right? Again, we skipping the line freestyling, but this time I'm winning that bitch. You know what I'm saying? I curse on him, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm winning that shit. They letting me skip the line every time. They like, this nigga's from the wreck. Neek, I bring Neek wrecking. And then from there, I used to do this system where at three o'clock I run home and I call 97.9 like a bunch of times to get on a road call. I'm back to back calling this shit. Finally, we getting through. J-Mac ended up I, that's how I, I knew Jay Mack before I became Scooby from the Great Boys. 
because I'm calling the roll call. You know what I mean? A, they know him because I'm freestyling every day. So to put my boy on, you know how they'll be like, what's your name, baby? Instead of saying my name, I have Neek on three-way. He freestyling the second part. <laughs> we killing that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's really how my name really started touching the streets. And then from there, you got Big Pig coming up to South Falls, selling Switch Out City. They telling them about me. So all of this shit, then I started, that's when tapes went from CDs, right? So I figured out how to get the tape to a CD. Um, I used to pay a guy $2 a CD to do it for me. Yeah. For five. So I was selling my CDs in high school and it was buying it. So at this point now, you're selling me, because I mean, we're talking about, because we went through a, a, a lot on the history from saving a little girl at the pool mm -hmm. uh, that you you were seeing. When you saw SPM, did you know that was SPM? Was he SPM? Well, he was just a dude with <laughs> some equipment. He had to know. He was recording at my neighbor's house. He had the equipment. SPM was just probably paying him for studio time. He had his uh, album. Uh, I didn't know nothing about albums. I didn't know how nobody looked. I was jamming screw tapes. I didn't know how Kiki and Fat Pat nah. looked. Yeah, I never know right. how they look at that we time. We didn't know back then. We didn't yeah. know how Scarface and them really looked because, you know what I'm saying? My mom used to be jamming that. I was a kid. That's My mom was jamming Scarface and Ghetto Boys when we was eight and 10. And we was like, dang, mama. We look, me and my brother look at each other like, dang, he just said mama let us listen to him say that? And then they can listen to damn cussing. So when I started rapping, I'm cussing. You know, she kept, kept buying me microphones, man. Kept buying it. And so when I got older, I know this kind of way from the surgery, but my uncle, he was like, you had a great, great uncle that had a band and a juke joint. So that kind of explains my, is in my bloodline. Okay, yeah. But, okay. So from there is when kind of Paul started coming up to South Falls, right? He would holler at PT. And then so one day he's like, yeah, Paul gonna come up there and fuck with you. I'm like, all right. And he was like teaching like the bad classes, like DMC, SRC, whatever you call it. So, you know, I had... Uh, so wait, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me Paul would come up to Todd's class? Yes. Oh, snap. Oh, and you're, you're in Todd. This is... This is before he's pretty tired. This yes. is wow. Yes. That's awesome. Continue, continue. I just want to clarify for the right. So I might have seen Paul at the school just like on some CD shit because he went to Jersey Village. That's yeah. I'm Paul ain't number one year older than me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we are really in high school while he's DJing at the skating ring. So he coming up there. So one time, I'm like, man, I'm finna just be getting in trouble so I could talk to Todd all day. So I used to be in the DMC class like every day. So one day I go to this bitch and pause in that motherfucker. I'm like, wow. Like, what's up, baby? You know what I'm saying? Y'all know each other, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, damn. And I'm looking like right here. Todd, like, for you. I'm like, what? So I told you, I'm going to tell him, come out let you. Because I never really got to talk to him at the skate ring because there's 30,000 niggas trying to talk to him. But he mm -hmm. knew. He knew because the flow. You know what I'm saying? He would even put the right beats on. Like, it was crazy. It's like, he, he knew. But, um, 
So from there, the color change and click mixtape started. And she started putting us on that. I might have been 17 when I rapped on that. I didn't I was still at South Falls. So by the time I graduated, I'm already at the they plan us at the Capitol Beach. Cause I remember being in high school, being on the seawall and him and Chameleon giving us CDs of us being on there, like 10 CDs a piece of Bobby Boucher. You know what I'm saying? And then <laughs> So this is this is on color changing clicks. This is on one of their mixtapes. Y'all are on it. And Chameleon there is giving y'all CDs. CDs to well, hand out. But when we actually went and recorded it, like a lot of people be thinking Chameleon wasn't with a lot like Chameleon fucked with us. Chameleon gave us a verse when he wasn't fucking with Paul. And we the first, now I the pain remix is the first collaboration with them both on there after they was beefing. You know what, what? I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Chameleon told me, he's like, I ain't even give R. Kelly no verse and I gave you a verse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I had that type of, I'm a real one, bro. Niggas don't, my energy be different. You know what I'm saying? And so, I don't know why he gave it to me, but I just feel like, you know what I'm saying? I'm a different type of breed, but um, so they had us on them. We in Atlanta, twin in the loop, them niggas crunk like, man. They, we wasn't even who we was. They was just showing us so much love and feeling the flow. We was really rapping, talking about some different shit other than the, I'm gonna come down, even though we love that to death. That's how yeah. I learned how to rap for screw tape. I'm just saying, I was being lyrical then, punchlines then. So, and I'm gonna show you the connection between them and the record label I signed to, right? Game face. And Todd, right? Yeah, All connected, bro. It's yeah. crazy I had. So Todd's going back and forth to Game Face. One day he said, I'm going to take you up there. I go up there. I record a demo. Willow's there. Willow producer, I can do that. Look, yep. he's like the co-owner. And Kenny Lou was the CEO. So after that, it was like summer to the 12th grade. Todd went on tour with Lil' Oak. That's when Lil' Oak back, back blew up. Yeah. I lost contact with him. Lost complete. I was just like, damn, I'm blowing them up every day, every day, every day, every day. I call them all summer, the end of the summer. I, What's up, bro? I'm gonna get you back in the lab, woo, woo, woo. You know what I'm saying? Or it might've been like, I came up on a camera, right? And I hit them, I'm like, I got a camera for sale. You know what I'm saying? I always try to make myself an asset to things instead of asking people for shit. Yeah. So I, I that's how I got back in. So when he came back, he took me to Game Face to meet the CEO and Willow. Pretty oh, much. wow. And Lil O. And that's how y'all connected with Lil O. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Okay. And at the same time, the guy that owned Game Face ended up financing the color changes, the first color changer click CD. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So pretty much they was gonna almost sign to Game Face at first. And so they went back to man, how to wish that yeah. shit. You know I'm saying, oh, oh yeah, we've heard. <laughs> okay, so and one thing I'm gonna say this about Mad Hatter. Mad Hatter paid on pay. Mad Hatter pop up ten years later with a check for you. Oh, really? What you did on your Mad Hatter is a real nigga. Hmm. You understand? So from there, they took me to a a car show, Lost Magnificence, fifty thousand. This is when Backpack is. Bananas, 
Yes. And that was a video on BT this win. Can't nobody get on B. Anybody and you ain't getting on BT unless you got a major, major deal. Yeah. Yeah. He was getting a half a ticket for the advance. It was up. I'm there. They tell me, go stand at the back of the stage. I'm like, damn, I get on stage. Yeah. It's game face. So right then, when they took me to that, I knew I was part of the family. If I was going to be passing out flies or what, I was going to wrap my way to the motherfucking top. <laughs> that, I had my mind made up. I don't want to leave this. I'm not letting this go off easy. So in there is when I met Hawk. That's the uh -huh. first time I met Hawk in person. I was I was fanned out. But so I wasn't doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. I was tripping when I met Lil. I'm a high school, I'm a 17 year old. I would too. I might have been 18 by then, but I, I want to say it was like, because I graduated, I, I was 17 until December in 12th grade. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I might have been 18. It might have been that summer. Yeah, yeah. it had to be because Los Magnificos happened like right near when summer was starting. So right. like it, it, it had to be at that time. But like, what was it like meeting Hawk though? It was like being introduced to you or to Devon. Like right. it wasn't like someone was introducing me to Hawk or the SUC or mm -hmm. some, it wasn't like that. Yeah. Oh, bro. You know what I'm saying? And then this was the killer part about it. That was my only time meeting him, right? So the next time I saw Hawk, he at the studio. He come in the studio. I'm looking at the nigga. I'm not trying to look at him so he don't think I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know how that go. I might have walked to the back. That nigga came in. That boy said, what's up, school? I say, <laughs> my name. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm thinking the nigga not going to remember my face. Nigga say, what's up, school? And from then, I knew he liked me. Like, because... Yeah. He treated me like I was like, you know what I'm saying? I, I can't really explain it, bro. He treated me like I was a star at the gate. Like he knew what he wanted me to make me as yeah. and what he wanted for, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he already knew Poppy because, you know, he was going up there with Lil' O. Okay. You know what I mean? Lil' O, Poppy was Lil' O hype man. Poppy yeah, Poppy. so I guess after you guys meet, mm -hmm. is how how long did it take for you to get to being Hawk's hype man? I want to say 60 days. What? That's super quick. Bro, like, literally, bro, I'm telling you. I, okay, let's say uh, three months to four months. Okay. I don't know. Because Still the quick. moment I met him, the next time he came to the studio, I was recording. Wah, nigga. Wah, nigga. That's the yeah, second, third time I'm meeting this man. And this man like, I need that song. You know what I'm saying? Really? What we need to do? I like, shit, just jump on something. <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? It was like that pretty much. Like, it wasn't really too many times I had met him before that, bro, before we started doing songs. Cause it's like he wasn't signed yet, so he went up there every day. Like yeah. I knew little old more because he was he was rounding more. And then Hawk was coming like to lay verses, and then when he started working on it, cause no, okay, I'm gonna tell you why it happened so quick. 
because around the time I came around, Hawk was kind of, I might sign with them. Yeah. So when they built a new studio, you know what I'm saying? Our CEO, Kenny Lou, he went to the feds. Yeah, unfortunately. He won't be knowing that shit. Mm. The nigga that owned Game Face went to the feds for two yeah. years, bro. We had to hustle. That's why that's when Paul moved in. He contributed us to keeping the lights on. Willow did what he had to do. Willow held it down. You know what I'm saying? But um Hawk, man. So he asked for the song, and then maybe another session, another time up there, he was recording his album. So he's like, man, come over here. Like, all right, I'm in a quiet, I ain't trying to touch nothing, make no noises. You know, we're in a session with Big Hawk, man. I just try to be more respectful as possible. Then he, he plays a beat, then he look over at me and says, you got something for that? You know what I'm saying? And uh, you were You were saying earlier, when you were talking about Hawk, you were saying like Hawk had a vision, like he kind of knew what he wanted you guys to be, or he knew what he wanted you to be. Like, uh, he loved all of us. I'm not saying that at all, but mm -hmm. he had a relationship with each and every one of us. But yeah, his baby, you understand? Yeah. He was 13 years older than me, so yeah. he looked at me like I was the look. He just, if anybody tried to get on me about anything, he'd be like, Nah, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna deal with him. He'll deal with me. This happened multiple occasions. You know what I'm saying? You can ask Lil O if you ever talk to him. Yeah. I wouldn't let you really say nothing to school like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just, I don't know why he did. The man looked at me in that same session or maybe the next one and told me I am of a rare breed. Nobody ever told me that. Mm. Like I might have cracked a joke or something or he seen something I did that was dope and he said that. And that stuck with me my whole life and career. You know what I'm saying? I ain't lying, bro. My boy is right there. You feel me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like it's 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 he's always with me, bro. And it's more than that, just being big hawk from the SUC. That's yeah, it's deeper than rap. Yeah, it's very deep, bro. And you know, um I used to even be able to even talk about it like this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but uh so we made On Your Marks also that had the Grid Boys on it, right? That was our, I was that was our song again. He he jumped on it, and then after he jammed, he like, that's going on my album. You feel me? Yeah, that's a big good look for you guys. Wait, I was eighteen when I was when I said boom happened when I said wall nigga. I was eighteen years old, bro. And how many songs had you recorded? Up until that time, though, you probably had like forty songs. At the yeah, because we banging out. We not rapping. So y'all was banging them out. You was doing your thing, but it wasn't like a long period of time. And I only uh, do for six years. It seemed like I've been known, and I'm thirty eight years old. Yeah, but it seemed like we was because six them six years, maybe it, it might have been seven. Them years. It was day for day. It wasn't a day I ain't talked to him or see him. That's real. He was on tour. Anywhere he was doing the show, I'm I was there. Anywhere you saw him, any footage, I'm right there. So it's just like um, that's just like somebody. I don't know. You coming home, you seeing a family member every day, and they just no longer there. And at that age, bro. Yeah. 
it tore me apart. Like, you know what I'm saying? It just destroyed me. You know, I mean, like, I mean, if you want to talk about that time period, because uh, you're naming a lot of artists and things like that. You're at this cusp of when Houston is blowing up. Uh, so some of the artists you're talking about where you're like, you know, you got SPM, he's selling records. You got Paul Wall and Chameleon Air, they're selling records. Lil Low is, is on BET. You got Hawk. And, you, and not only that, you've got these artists that are making, have made a name for themselves in Houston, but you're also there during that time period where they're starting to break out nationwide. What is it like? being a part of that and seeing some of these people that that you know start to attain this level of success man it was unfolding just like um okay the c paul you know he was a dj he was uh, the first dj paul Wall was a brick boys cd right i see him to go from kind of like not being too sure of himself after the split. You know what I'm saying? That shit took a toll on that boy, man. Mm-hmm. You know, him coming with us made him feel like he was a part of something else again. You know what I mean? So to see him put out Chick Maggot and it sell 100,000 and him seeing like, man, these people fuck with me by myself. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it was almost, he felt like he couldn't do it without him. Now he never said it, but you could kind of tell, you know what I mean? He was young. He was only like 23. When you look back at that, that shit is like a baby. You know what I'm saying? We all was kids. Yeah. And, um, he, uh, so to see him go from that being in, you know, feeling like, you know what I'm saying? You know, things would probably never be like that for him. And to him to be this mogul that he is today, bro, it just was surreal to see it happen. But he always kept us with us, with him. So as he blew, we blew. So I felt it. You know what I'm saying? I had more. I started having jury. We started having jury. You know what I'm saying? You, we had rap vehicles. You could, you know what I'm saying? So it was rap all bands. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? It was just yeah. like, I ain't gonna lie, bro. That shit really be like a blur to me, bro. Because really, in my life, I did this. I had a show. I was getting high. I was in the streets. I was traveling. I, it just, it's not like a blur, but. Sometimes, bro, I started so early and I've done so much because we've talked about so much, bro, and that is not even really the highlight highlights of the Grit Boys. Yeah. The things we really contribute to in Texas. But I did so much, bro. It's just like, that's 20 years of shit, bro. And sometimes it'd be like, damn, was I really that wild? Like, that shit don't even (laughs) be real sometimes. Like, them shits back there, like, you know what I mean, bro? We got out of mud. I told yeah. you where I started from. Yeah. And let's talk about I mean, let's talk about the Grip Boys. Cause was it always to the plan for you guys to be a group? Or nah, man. Yeah, let's talk so, about let's talk about. Stop people signing game face first. He went to Worthing with us, but I didn't know him at Worthing. I didn't. We wasn't friends, and that me and Neat then went to Worthing. We was friends. Poppy like three years older than me. Yeah. And so when he got there, he was already signed. So it was kind of like a competition thing because me and he coming through the door, he looking like, damn, I, I seen, I know, I seen them niggas before, but mm-hmm. I ain't fucking with them niggas like that. Like he was the big, Poppy been dope. He been killing on features. He was on the three songs on the out. So we in there looking at each other like, okay. So 
I'm already doing me and Neek did him. So we never was a group group, but we always rapped together. Hmm. And then so one day, Todd making beats, he trying to get himself going. You know what I'm saying? He trying to build this shit up. That's when he made that. They don't know what this star about. They don't, they don't know, know what this star about. Yeah. making that bitch. We could have probably had to be. He ain't even. Yeah. Now, man, this shit might be Paula Kiki. Then here, okay, I got another beat. I need y'all to knock out a song. We wasn't rapping on instrumentals. We rapping on real beats. Yeah. Making real concept songs. That's why my songwriting is how it is today. Because we was trained, bro, like literally trained from a, a, a adolescent, bro, to be rappers. That's why I say I feel like it wasn't no life before rap for me because, yeah, I've had jobs. I've had the doing the breaks and man, I got a family, you know what I'm saying? But I also yeah. have real estate and you know what I'm saying? I'm grown. So, but it's like I had no life before rap, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there was nothing before rap that didn't have to do with rap. I mean, life before didn't have to do no, you know what I'm saying, bro? Yeah. Like, all life has been this shit. And I accept it now, like, you know what I mean? My career done done this. And then now I'm like, here, like, they don't know what can happen. And you know what I'm saying? The clothing shit, I could probably be richer off this than, than that. So it's like, the stuff you do, people always be like, they always try to say, well, yeah, I know y'all was popping back in the day, but what y'all... Nothing can't stand without a foundation. I try to tell artists this all the time. People always Thanks. try to say, niggas so high and this person, this, this, that, that. But I'm gonna make money out rap till I die. People gonna call me for features every week, regardless, bro, because I'm gonna keep pushing me. The old, You notice the OGs in the city don't be having no issues, bro. Yeah. They don't have no issues. They still sell. They merch still. You don't have no dollar that because we not in the um, the show. I call the circuit of this shit the the, the Houston shit is the show, bro. It is. Niggas acting like man, stop it. So it just be like you know the shit we did. We just trying to brand it and make. People not laugh at our city. That's why we was rapping hard like that, sounded like and we wasn't familiar. We wasn't trying to sound like them. We really was on that pen like that. And um, where, did, where, where does that influence come from? Because like I said, uh, you guys were known for, you were saying earlier, like we like that style of rap that's known mm -hmm. for Texas, but y'all was doing something different. Yeah. All right. So where does that uh, that lyrical influence come from and what were y'all trying to prove at that time um we were trying to just get in we didn't even know them people noticed us like other artists like the artists in the city they knew who we were early like we didn't even know like niggas. but um far as the lyrical shit i think for the old being on the level he was on and the company we was with and the standards they upheld or as the artists that they had around like hawk and little O we knew we had to rap at the highest level. We had to um, perform. It wasn't like no second tries. It wasn't like half-assing. And it was like, shit, this nigga, I want to get signed. You know what I'm saying? When I was at Gameplay, I was like, I want a contract. I don't fuck this. I was rapping in the office before they built the booth. Every day, coming to the studio. So... Once they gave me a contract, that was my motivation, bro. 
Mm. I'm not going back to staying at grandma's house. You know what I'm saying? With this, you know, I'm not, I want to get farther in life. It just was, I don't know, man. That's why I was, we was rapping at that level because we seen what it could be. Like, it wasn't no book. It was early. Now, maybe, because it was people try to offer us deals. It was like a guy tried to sign us in his backyard. Now, maybe a situation like that, I wouldn't have been rapping as hard, but I'm around a nigga. We in a $200,000 studio that they built from scratch. These people signed to Atlantic. Nigga, I'm coming in this bitch rapping the lights out to my boy John. Every single day, we did it. Battled each other in the office. We battled it, nigga. Poppy like, I don't rap 16s. I rap 24s. That's the first thing he said when he met us. Man, it was a friendly competition until we signed the major deal. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And that was 07. So you got to think about it. Since I graduated from high school, we sold 100,000 mixtapes. And in 2006, we signed to TVT Records. TVT. Feel me? Yeah. And so I ain't really skipping no parts because from being Hawk Hype Man, him being murdered, mm-hmm. like right when he got murdered, we signed. He knew we signed because I can remember going to a Swisher House show with Paul, right? And when we performed, I looked out and Hawk was standing there because he had the, the yellow Hawk. Jack, the jack, the yellow jacket where they said Hawk, bro. Yeah. And I can remember that shit because T. Ferris was actually there. And I can remember T. Ferris speaking to me about signing me as a solo artist for like the third time. He's like, Scooby, you're a superstar. So mm-hmm. that what was happening around that time. It was like niggas trying to, they knowing what we really is. You know what I'm saying? But I had to throw that in there too. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> No, it's good. So, it's good to know. That, that, that just made me remember that whole scenery because I can remember that day. Hawk was yeah. there. He was there. Paul was there. And we performed. Paul performed. Mike Jones performed. And then and then Hawk was like, you throw, baby. You throw. Like, you know what I'm saying? And uh, even on his new album, The Dangerous Species, that came out, I made was on his singles, like Me, Slim, Paul, and uh, Me, Slim, Paul, and him. Right. And uh that album originally, I had five verses on that album. Really? When it came out, they kind of had to put other people. No, I understood. Yeah. yeah. I understood yeah. it. He wasn't around, but if he was alive, I would have been on five verses and he wouldn't have done <laughs> other people. But uh now what know. do you feel now is the legacy of uh the Grip Boys? Can you talk about all these uh Houston legends? that operate, where do you feel the grit boys kind of fall in place? Do you you feel this connection with fans and the music? Do you feel it needs to be of a higher status? Do you want more people like with the clothing line getting introduced to the grit boys? Well, where do you feel they kind of stand in terms of Houston hip hop? I think Houston hip hop, the people that know like you guys, uh, influencers, uh, you know, realize where we are to the culture. Um, I think, it's a gap that is not filled because of we be so in a rush to put the next person right here. Yeah. yeah this my nigga. I know him. I can eat off of him. <laughs> you gotta realize there was a lot of people trying to benefit from us. And when they figured out they couldn't, we wasn't their favorite artists no more. Mm. 
So they was on to like here, but they know who we are. I mean, we in the Houston rap coloring book. You know what I'm saying? So if you in Houston and you in these circles, you going through there, or if you actually really studying this shit. Before I got into shit, I know everybody. I know about PSK 13. I know about 20 to life. I know about uh, street military. Mm. I know about um, all that squad. I know yeah. I'm fucking about I ain't just coming in. Oh, I'm a rapper. I'm shining. Fuck everybody else. Fuck the niggas before me. I ain't got to respect nothing. I'm hot. Hell no. So I just felt like they felt like our britches got too big because we passed a lot of niggas that did it for longer than us. Very quickly. Quickly. Very, very quickly. We had a deal. Bro, Steve Rifkin, the nigga that tried to sign Wu-Tang, he signed David Bowie. Yeah, Steve Rifkin, who, who made loud records. He sat right here. Yes. He sat like this. Uh, Is a half a million dollars enough for the Grit Boys? After we watched our video on tour, we had videos on YouTube with 100,000 views before we knew yeah. what that was. We didn't know what Worldstar was. We had 100,000, 200,000 on Worldstar. He knowing all this shit. We in New York. We don't even know these people know about us. We in his office. He says, is a half a ticket enough for the Grit Boys? Because I'm impressed. Y'all got a van. Y'all got a studio. Y'all album is ready. Y'all have features on it. Paul Wallace. Yeah. Co-signing it. Shit. We ain't take that deal. Right? Todd didn't take that deal. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Todd was... What made y'all decide not to take yeah. that deal? He was like, let's call a lawyer. But if I was who I was today, I would have been like, fuck the lawyer and fuck you. Because, bro, we ain't have shit. So you want to call the lawyer when you can... Oh, you want to go home and talk to the lawyer when you can call her right here and take this half a ticket because when we signed the TVT, it was a 70-30 split. He was trying to be greedy and get more, right? Mm. As CEO, right? And when we started the company, Mo Better, we all was supposed to be CEOs and that shit changed, right? But I was so loyal, I didn't never really say nothing about it. So when mm. we get in his office, we wasn't even signed to nobody when we was in front of Steve Ripken. Not to game face, because Kenny went to jail. That shit was no other boy. Yeah, it's no other boy. So we could have been like, fuck you, Steve, what a contract. He ain't getting nothing. We didn't do that. We trusted him to go back home and talk to the lawyer. He went behind our back, went to TVT by himself. He didn't go there and like take us that time because we saw the numbers. Yeah. Ah. We saw the numbers. We could have been like, hey. So when we signed the TVT, the nigga got the advance, went to Europe. Oh my God. He was in Europe when we signed our country. He didn't sit down and sign our more better contracts. He had another nigga. Our manager and his, you know what I'm saying? He did some fake ass shit, bro. So we ain't let that bother us, bro. We ain't really know too much. But then we start asking about the Steve Rickman deal. I don't know. We can't get back in touch. But it really long and behold, he was doing some sneaky shit. Yeah. And we could have said, fuck him, took half a ticket. Think about it. The grid boys with a half a ticket. I don't care if this man would have shelved us. We independent. Mm. With about two, three more vans. <laughs> I'm not saying the man ain't give us no check or we ain't make no money. But if I'm at this time, the artist I'm working with, I don't want to sign none of them. I don't want to be their manager, nothing. If they want to come back and double back and do it, I do partnerships with people, bro. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because, and that's why my company's called Good Business, because a nigga didn't do good business with me. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? 
And I love them to this day, but I've just got to be real in these interviews because people yeah. ask me this question a lot, bro. Yeah. I don't never really say, but it's just, we was young and niggas just, it was the green eye monster, bro. And I actually, when they was walking out the door, I'm still sitting in the step chair like this, just looking like, I ain't, I ain't, I wouldn't, they like, Scooby. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> like, nigga, I'm not getting up out there. I'm not leaving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but they had flew me there, paid, I ain't had no money. So them niggas left, fuck around, left me in New York. So I really, but at that time, Steve could have flew me back, but I wouldn't, I ain't have that mental because I was yeah. so just rapping. They did all the production, they recorded us, got the artwork, but I had a lot of influence on the major album, the order of the CD. He taught, let me do what I wanted to do. Okay. To be honest. I made a lot of decisions, but I trusted him with my publishing. But now I own all my publishing. I own the Masters to the Grit Boys albums. Wow. With my Grit Boys, we own it. <laughs> you. Now that's the thing. When yeah. you talk about stuff like that, like owning Masters and things like that, uh, Sorry how, did you, how did you get the Masters and your publishing back? How did you get that stuff? It never really was took. It just when it come when TVT filed for bankruptcy, Todd quit, right? And I told him, I was like, I want all the shit. And he know he took money. And he ain't no street nigga. You feel what I'm saying? So we ain't even take it there with him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So at the same time, it's like, what you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? Cause when I found the Grid Boys album. That motherfucker, somebody else was selling it, right? And I'm like, we wasn't signed to TVT as artists. We was distribution. So why are you picking up? Because they picked up TVT catalog. So why are y'all making money off my shit? I went and followed and got that. Got a lawyer. Yeah. Got that back. You know what so I'm saying? Even, even when they were selling it, were you making any money off of that other company? No. Oh, my God. No. I saw what they made. Oh, but. Once I switched, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It was okay. five figures, but it wasn't that bad okay. because I was glad I caught it in time. Yeah, you did catch it in time. You said five figures? Yeah. That's I a lot to me. I'm a low boy. five figures. I'm a broke boy, so that's a lot to me. But still, five <laughs> Three people. You know what I'm saying? It ain't, oh, I'm not acting like great boys is all mine. No, I get I'm it. Nigga that went low five figures divided by three people. I see, I see where you're coming from, brother. Yeah. Right, it was cool. I'm like, I'm gonna make that anyway. I just wanted my shit because I felt like a nigga played me. He just hit a lick and quit. We could have mm. been, we could have been on album two. They, yeah, yeah TBT five and bankruptcy. We still good. So yeah. let's keep working. This nigga started doing some weird shit. So I just started doing me, bro. And we started putting our grid boy CDs out on our own, selling them, making our own mm. money, putting out our own DVDs, and eventually, you know. He wanted, he wanted to just make beats for Paul. You know what I'm saying? He really got to some Hollywood shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? He made five tracks on there and he felt like he was a platinum producer. And it was more so, I need y'all to write some hooks for these tracks I'm trying to submit. Yeah, and y'all was writing hooks. He was writing and people, and so when the nigga called me for the publishing deal, I'm real. I'm like, man, this nigga offered me 50,000. He double back, call a nigga, and he get the same publishing deal. Pretty hard. Really? <laughs> and then tell me, well, I couldn't let you sign a publishing deal because TVT don't want wants a publishing. 
nigga, we got a distribution deal. You don't give up publishing, signing distribution. You lying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I double back and hit the nigga. Like, I never been a dumb nigga, bro. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing, bro. You got to go through that shit to see really how people are. Because you come in this shit, a young kid, people take advantage of you. Act like they real, they love you, they big, bro. That shit ain't true. Because as soon as some money come, a nigga going to start listening to his wife, his mama, anybody that's want something out of this. They don't deserve How we don't? We the face. They only want to give us a check because of us, not because of you. Because your yeah. beats ain't even that jammy. <laughs> that shit was all right, bro. Nine later paint is an average beat, bro. Wow. I'm rapping on it. I'm just being real. <laughs> I actually like that beat, but I feel you, though. It's an average fuck. I would have never picked that beat today. I would never rap on this beats today, bro. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like a nigga being loyal, confused, and fooled. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't really, he was smart to put it together, but he wasn't like a musical person. I was yeah. a musical person. Willow was a musical person. Willow yeah. played the piano. He was just like a nigga that knew how to work shit. You know what I'm saying? A program. And, yeah. And now, yeah. you know, I ain't trying to be like that about it, but this shit bothers me in interviews sometimes. And people don't really be knowing the full story. And, you know, I'm at the age where I ain't saving no nigga feelings no more. And they face because they that's why you hear tell the full story. But, like, what year was this around? Was this before or after? It's 07 when, when, when the, it's 06, 07 when we finna sign and shit, right? Okay. You know what I'm saying? It just started getting funny. You know what I'm saying? And, it could have kept going, bro. Like, it's crazy, bro. It could have kept going, and I kept yeah. going. And so I dropped my first solo album in 2010, right? Yeah. And in Houston Press, it was the number nine top album of that year, right? And it was some big boys on that list. You know what I'm saying? Power Wild was like number 12. I was yeah. nine, my mixtape, right? Face was on the list. Slim was on the list. Killer was on the list. It was a list, dog. Yeah. I, you pull it up. 2010. D called me by one. My first mixtape, Shay Sharae Aurora did the write-up. He said... Hey, um, yeah. He said something to the extent of I exceeded expectation on my very first attempt without even trying. And it seemed like I did it with ease. That was pretty much the synopsis of his statement about my album, you feel me? Yeah. And uh, bro, I'm a humble dude, bro. I know I'm coming across this, but no, 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 because no, no, I'm kind of touching somewhere when y'all like. No, 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 no. Because even, even, even with that, I mean, when you come out and like you said, your first album, the solo, and you see that level of success, you see the critical response to it. Does that make you want to say, yo, I should really lean more towards the solo route? Or are you like, do you still feel more comfortable in the group? How are you feeling? I, always, I feel like I always was supposed to, I don't mean to cut you off. I feel like I was always supposed to be a solo artist, but I did get a lot of kick. But that's why I was saying, Ferris was already trying to pull me away from the group. This, this was mm -hmm. all the same time. He, mm -hmm. Like, I want to sign you and Young Red. And he, cause he signed Young Red, cause Young Red, he was trying to put him in the grip boards and make us four. But Todd was on some shit with Red, like 
yo, you got to sign to me before you sign Switch off. But I mean, ah. and it makes sense because Red was just, Red really was young Red, bro. He helped the situation. So he was, we all helped each other. So he really ain't have to sign. But, you know, that really wasn't my business. And it ain't my business now to really speak on. But that's what the type of shit was on. So it kind of fucked us up being signed to Switch off. Because he was like, I got to make five beats on that. He was on some whole ass shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He blocked, that's another block. Another, you just got to watch people that you trust your livelihood with. You know what I'm saying? Because the whole dynamics and our whole life could be changed. This man wasn't thinking about himself. You know what I'm saying? So at that time, just think about it. If we would have signed to switch off as the great boys and added Young Red. <laughs> I understand. Hmm. How do you take that into, because I said now, you're still doing music, all right? But you're in a different position now. So how do you take those lessons that you learn from your story and apply it to operating your own company now. Exactly. Okay. So from now, I just look at it like, okay. Now, this one thing I will say, I learned a lot of ins and outs of the music business from pretty Todd, Tarberry, and then Willow. So I will give them that. I want to say that in his interview. They showed mm -hmm. us that, right? But so that's how certain shit far as like, if I'm doing a song with somebody, I'm going to tell them off the top. I got to, you know what I mean? We got to do some paperwork. Like we got to split this. I want some of the streams. I want this. I want, a lot of people don't think about that. They want the quick lick. You know what I'm saying? I ain't worried about that. Shoot a video and I want some of the streams and I want my publishing. You really can't take nobody publishing unless you sign in it to them. So mm -hmm. if I do a song with somebody, they can't take the whole song. They got to leave part of it unknown. You know what I'm saying? You only can take 100% on only one side. So you definitely can't take it from a producer. But like, um, it just gave me better structure as far as how to know and how to put out my project, how to put take it to a distributor, how to get on the road and promote it. But at my pace and my level, because that's what we was doing at first as the grip boys, we was just doing us. We weren't worried about Oh, I want to do this so such and such can see us or we can get played on the radio. We never made a radio song to get played on the radio. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We never aimed for that. Even with Fresh, that might have been, and if you think about it, okay, I'm going to give you another one. Yeah. When you think about the Grit Boys, and this is an honest question, and it's a lot of people's questions they ask. You know it's three people, but who face and who do you think about? Yours. Okay. Why was I on the first Grit Boy single, Fresh? Did you know that? The one that was on MTV with Trey and Tum Tum? The one with Tum Tum and Trey. I have no verse on that. You don't have any verse on it. I don't, don't have a verse. I wanted to know, but like, why? But you was. Todd was hating. He was hating. Really? That man was like, you gonna think, he gonna think he bigger than the group. And he already did a video with Paul and Red Handed. And that video actually came because uh, Paul did the best of both worlds with this guy from New York. And the director from that video, Melina Stokes, she actually directed all Beyonce videos and Solange. Like, really? Our first video was me, Paul, and Red Handed. Yeah. One of the biggest directors in the industry. I know her personally. I took her through H-Time. She was in Neat Mama House. That's where we shot it at. So, you feel me? So that's why I say I feel like I was born because I touched a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
how neat Roke, DJ Khaled first single, holla at me, shit like that. Just think about that. These are pivotal pieces of hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they're, you know, major players that had to deal with the grit boys. If you go ask them, if you run into these people in day, have you ever heard of Scooby and the Grit Boys? Yeah. Way back in, yeah. They've heard. So you just got to think. So that's why I be, that's like, so when you ask me, do we get the respect and, you know, the admiration? No, because a lot of people wish we would, didn't know all these people or touch all these things because they didn't get to do it. Wow. The is filled with these type of people and they need to stop that whole ass shit. You know what I'm saying? I ain't afraid to say it. Cause yeah. I'm a big up and I'm a post and share anybody that is dope, any level you're at. You know what I mean? It's just like you gotta, we got to, we got to take care of each other better than that shit. Like yeah. I see OGs on the internet and they ain't getting no support. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, damn, but that's different. So you can't look at the internet. That shit is a facade, bro. I might not have, I might go somewhere and everybody know what I'm doing. I'm like, damn, well, dang, you ain't, I probably had a hundred likes on that post. How you, you feel what I'm saying? Everywhere I go, they know exactly what I'm doing. That is a facade, bro, the internet shit. So I just say, an artist, keep grinding your shit in the streets. Keep fucking with people that can put you in places. Like, now I have a publicist, right? I had to learn by having a deal. You need people in place to get you these platforms. Yeah. I'm fortunate enough to run into Mr. Devon. Yeah. at an event and he was he blessed me with this opportunity to be here so yeah. every because of my foundation this is what artists got to realize motherfucker ain't got to do nothing for you you know what i'm saying just because you it's a hundred michael jordans it's a hundred niggas that think they got down um i don't know fucking the best yeah. everything right yeah but if you don't have like you no know, real work added to the bottom of that shit, man. It's just like I, I hate when people are like, man, you know, I be spitting on you should put me on this. Like, why? Why should I go do a song with Killer Mike? Or yeah. I could go do a song with J Dog. Or I can not saying I don't want to do a song with you, but these people are gonna help me. I need people to help me also. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Put me yeah. on your song. Yeah. Why you gotta be on my album? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a free verse for you. That's one thing that I don't like because I it's like they look at me like I might be a young dude. But I be looking like, boy, I done lost my partner. I done lost my record deal. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Niggas turn their back on me. And now when I get myself back up, I have to do the same thing, carry some more niggas. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's crazy. It is crazy. After everything you guys have done too, and going back to the spitter part, like a lot of people when y'all was out was like, "Where are they from? Atlanta?" And I was like, "They are from Houston." Get it right. And y'all was spitting, spitting. Drew Santana, Papoose. Um, um, um. What was the song? Uh, it was J.R. Ryder. It was um. That's a bet. Y'all well, niggas was funny. Like a real moment for me. I know. <laughs> when I met Big Boy and that boy say, told Killer Mike, I seen that nigga before. That let me know right there <laughs> that I did my job as a lyricist. You feel me? Like for a nigga from a Southern group that's 
nobody had never beat to see me as from a southern group and acknowledge yeah. that shit. Man, bro. You know what I'm saying? So like at that time though, it was still the hidden wall of even though Dipset is trying to break it down in around 2004, at that time, 06, 07, 08, there was still that wall between the South and the East. What was it like for you guys to be able to go to pretty much anywhere and be able to spit and be respected amongst the heads? What was that feeling yeah. like? It's just like, all right, we did Screw York one time, right? And it was like us, Bun, Kiki. Yeah. Uh, it was going down, right? And that's the first time we met uh, Short Dog, right? And I just felt this. I didn't know he was from Houston because he was spitting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so just, and then it's another time we met since all the book does the show with Devin. To see people in the crowd rapping Nine Later Pain and rapping my verses off songs, it just kind of like showed that they listen. It just was a different tap in, man. Like even with my, the MySpace days, bro, like, they used to call us like the uh, down south version of the locks. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Like even freestyling with Dizzy Rascal. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's big with us if we wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? On some shit, like everybody we did. Mace jumped on our album because he was yeah. like, "Man, I want to rap. I want to be on." The, he asked Mason Bethel asked to be on the Brick Boys album. <laughs> what what was that like though from from sitting there listening to that CD in 1998 to having Mason Betha really I mean it was a different time for Mace but it's he still Mace. the verse the version he that's out it's on iTunes and yeah. it came out in the UK but the version it says name on it but it's verse not on there that's okay. the only thing I got to say about that nigga you should mm. hear that verse but. <laughs> Boy, that boy Rick, that shit, like it was a mace that you really that was murder mace on our it was murder, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a pretty mace. It was yeah, murder. Man. Yeah, man, but uh he gave it to us, bro. You know what I'm saying? I think he I think actually I'm gonna be real, a lot of collaborations happen because Paul ain't showed up to the studio and collab with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We was like <laughs> So y'all oh, did that grill, and he was like, "Shit, the grip boys a rap." No, oh, okay. yeah, y'all was yeah, yeah. At that time, y'all was really super affiliated with Paul Wall. Y'all were basically the locks to, for big. for lack of a better word, to Paul Wall's big. Yeah. So like, so when he wasn't in the studio and he was making all that money off them grills, and people yeah, would show yeah. up for his session, y'all was there. Is that yeah, but but Mace. What it was, they come use the studio because we shared yeah. a studio. Jewel mm -hmm. Santana recording that. Wayne recorded the whole dedication at our yep. studio, bro. We used to park the limo in front of that bitch when he went to U of H. That's how we got the song "Marching Step." Yes, "Marching Step" Wayne. on that album. Yeah, right. And Lil Wayne's verse is fire on that. <laughs> That's how Paul got him on that song, bro. Did his grill. You know what I'm saying? So the niggas used to come to the studio, bro, and um. This was the second gridiron, bro, when Mace was there. The one, cause we had one off, this wasn't Game Face, this was the gridiron, right? Yeah. Live from the gridiron. And bro, it was crazy, bro, how that boy asked to be on that shit, bro. Same with uh, Trey Songz, bro, you know what I mean? How was the gridiron at that time, though? 
And explain what gridiron is for the listeners. Yeah, explain that out. The gridiron is actually the name of the studio. Mm-hmm. So Todd and uh, Calvin Earl, right, which is my boy, and I love Calvin. He was like the melodies on all the beats, you know what I'm saying? I ain't Calvin, I ain't say your beats was weak. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was really the nigga that really was playing the shit on all the gridiron beats. But uh, yeah. it, was, it was dope, bro, to see all the people come through those doors, bro. Like Bun did our verse, he did it in like 10 minutes. He, I mean, yeah. his wife didn't even get out the truck. And he rapped on a song, the one we got with Travis Barker, Streets. Bun can't lay that bitch, man. Um, that was dope. Shit, Kiki was there multiple times, man. First time I really seen them do a hook. Well, not, not the first time, but like, you know, nah, I'm lying, because we did songs on Hawk Wrecking 2K with Kiki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, but at that time, it was just like, <laughs> oh, shit. The done there to come do a hook for the Grit Boys. So, you know what I'm saying? That was dope. Um, we shot Spin Something video, me, Hawk, and Young Red, outside of that video, outside of that studio. So that's one uh, moment, you know what I'm saying? And it's a lot of good memories, bro. But after that, you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah, I can understand. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it's, just, it's just a... Uh, I need a book or something, bro. No, you and, and, and people are going back because they respect the legacy. Because yeah. uh, you're ingrained in Houston uh, hip hop. Uh, let's talk about what you two were talking about earlier on, right before we we started recording. You get to that too. Uh, so, I mean, we are talking about all these artists, uh, and we're looking back at the past that were uh, looking at the Grit Boys as like this locks of the south uh let's talk about travis scott and and how does y'all's freestyle get to sicko mode man all right so hawk has a cousin right he uh did a little time right so when he came home you know he, he before he went he you know he used to come around and stuff so he had already like been going to uh he live dealing with Eric and Eric ended up introducing him to Travis, right? Yeah. And so um his family and him we started working on like a mixtape or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And they used to like, dang school, but we need to get one for Trav to use, right? I sent him three verses, bro. Right, Hawk Acapellas. They picked the sample part that says, Ask Scoob, Poppin' Neat, we all into the plan to keep so nigga don't play us a week. Yeah. That was my nigga Hawk from heaven. Hmm. Out of three verses, that's what y'all pick? That's real. That's what Mike Dean picked, that part. That's how it happened. I sent it to him, bro. <laughs> Eric called me, I sent them. Yeah, because yeah. I'm in Vegas. I'm in Vegas, me and my wife. We in the Apple store, some shit. I hear, then I hear Drake now. Man, that plan for keeps it on. Man, I dropped there. I say, I say, that's my shit. <laughs> I a bitch. I told my wife, I said, what are you talking about? I say, man, they use that for that. And so 
you know what I mean? Uh, man, from there, you know what I mean? Uh, all the things that y'all saw happen, you know what I mean? Got nominated from the Grammys. Yeah. Uh, man, it just- So you had, you had no clue what the song, when you sent it off to Mike Dean, you had no clue. It was like, here, take these three verses. Let's see what happened. I don't know what's going right, to happen. Right. I actually sent it to Jay Ellis. Okay. And he sent it to Mike Dean. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't know. Hell no. Nah. No. <laughs> I didn't know. And I told Mike Dean, but he never responded. I was like, damn, bro. That shit was dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just for the fact that they pulled that part out of all things where he said our name. Yeah, they cut our name, but it's Surrender Retreat. But man. you know, yeah. Yeah. I played the free, I played the vocals on my Instagram like two days ago. You want to go here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let these people no. know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just was feeling Hawk's energy that day. And like, shit, we in too deep, baby. Yeah. They can't play us for weeks. So um, that was dope for Texas. Him, he's Grammy nominated now. That's that's really one of my life fulfillments to yeah. turn the favor back to my friend because I knew how passionate he was about his brother, Fat Pat. And that's why I continue to rep him today. Because he used to always say, man, I got to rep Mr. Fat Pat. I know he's not my blood brother, but these are things that he taught me personally. Like, Hawk used to call me son. Yeah. Misha still calls me son. I'm their oldest son. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a different type of reason for me, bro. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people probably want me to let his name rest in peace and uh, try to act like we was riding his name or something. But it, that ain't that, bro. We, you know, we are, we still who we is, you know what I'm saying? But I be thinking they be coming from that jealousy because people wanted to be next to him and he didn't want to be next to everybody, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I ain't speaking for Hawk, but I'm just saying like, he really fucked with us. So if you didn't, you don't fuck with us, like, you know what I'm saying? He wouldn't feel that shit, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I just gotta hold my partner down because personally, I know what he wanted, bro. Like I really did, I really do. You know what I'm saying we had conversations like two one like this, me and him in the car. Mm -hmm. you know and what and, and what is it that he wanted? Like, I mean, <laughs> were it not for him being unjustly taken, he what, what do you think his goals were out here? He wanted his clique to be on top. He wanted to get that takeover album done. He was totally against um signing to anything outside of his roots. Mm. Totally. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm SUC. I ain't doing that. You know what I'm saying? So he wanted SUC to be Wu-Tang. Yeah. He wanted that shit. Like, you feel me? Like, it's all this nigga was on. I gotta do takeover. You doing a takeover. You play songs. Tell me the thing about this. Ooh, why this how I'm coming on there? Rap his verses. He'll have one pay he'll rap so he'll write so much, he'll have the next paper. You know what I'm saying? Like he even wrote off the page, he got the next paper rapping that bitch like crazy, bro. Like in the car. Man, I got a CD how gave me full of beats to write to for that Randy Smooks. Still got the CD, bro. You know what I'm saying? I got I got Kmart Master. The one that Paul sent off to get pressed. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. I, you a CD keeper? 
I got some shit. <laughs> That's real. Yeah, I try to keep up with my CDs, but I know you got things that, yeah, make sense because you were on them and you're around everybody at the 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 real super time when when Houston was really coming to prominence. Yeah, man, I want to de- donate it to the museum, but I want it to go the right places, and I don't want to just um, talk about what people ain't done for us and be negative in this interview, but I just want artists to know, bro, protect you, man. Protect your best mm-hmm. interests. Don't never not do nothing. Don't never be confined to one thing. See it all the way through. See what people's intentions are. Because at the same time, even though somebody's contributing or paying or putting you in the studio, it don't mean they want you to blow up and be a big star. They want you to be able to, to get paid off of you. And you know what I'm saying? This shit is snakish. Like I'm telling you, like, only thing I hate about this shit is the fame part. I don't like, I used to, that was my shit. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. want to go to the club. I want the girls to see me. Yeah. My new chain on and no, I've been on MTV. I wanted to. When I came off the road, we went straight to the club. <laughs> <laughs> they know we could come from. Heard y'all know too. We know. So now it just be like, you know what I'm saying? It just be like, I just want to do what I'm doing. I just like making good music, bro. I like these clothes. I love making people happy. I love um, my family. Like, it's just, I'm a different type of school now. My energy is different, man. You know what I mean? So at this point, I just think uh, as far as everything else, it will be uh, more grid boy songs, but I don't know about a full project because I feel like I have so much more to fulfill as me. You know, as grid boys, bro, we put out so many mixtapes with DJ Smalls, all type of people, bro, early. All the DJs you think. So it's just like now, there's a lot of things that I have to get out. You know, I make different type of music. I'm making music about being in love. You know, they not married, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, they don't, you know, I got two kids. Poppy don't have no kids, so. Congratulations. Our, 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 our content kind of changed over time and I never stopped rapping. You see, I got my own studio equipment. I know how to record myself. I know how to mix, master everything myself, but I don't do all of those things, but I know how. So it's just like, uh, it's a different type of uh, day, you know? It's just, you know, just like, I got four siblings, right? And once we got grown and got our own house, and I don't see them niggas every day. I don't talk to them every day. It's like you be around somebody so much, you just have to have your time to be, you don't know who you are if you don't never be by yourself and go through yeah. stuff by yourself. How, how would you know what you're capable of? So, and Poppy released a couple solo albums and Neek did his thing too. But Neek is like my best friend. So without rap, he would still be what? My best friend. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like we breaking up the grit boys. It was like a business thing with Poppy. You know what I'm saying? He's my boy. But it's different with Neek. So if you don't see Poppy with me as much, it's not because we don't fool with him. It's Poppy actually is retired. You know what I mean? That's the last that we spoke with him. He was like, I'm retired. I need to focus on being up for my mother, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So when people don't see him, you know, I know a lot of people be like, man, you're leaving him out. No, it's not that. Good business is my company. <laughs> yeah. Culture is Poppy's company. Neek has other things, grit life clothing. You know what I'm saying? 
So we all have our own shit. You know what I'm saying? The Grit Boys is us together, but broken down. And so Grit, Good Business owns Grit Like Clothing. You feel what I'm saying? So it just... I was about to say, because Neek, Neek is doing Grit Life Clothing, but that is still, that's under, that's yeah, with you, right? I mean, it's not like he's doing it. All right, we created Grit Life Clothing together, right? And yeah. so Grit Life Clothing is more so, you know, like you got Polo, Ralph Lauren, Purple Label, right? So yeah. Grit Life is more so of a Grit Life shirt or like uh, more so of the ghetto reality, right? And the good business is a shirt I probably give you, Divine, because you like to wear collar shirts. It's going to be a standard G. This is great life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. like my stepdaddy ain't wearing this. Yeah, you know okay. what I'm saying? But he going to wear the, the, the collar shirt. So it's a difference, bro. Good business is really like an entertainment company. It's music and clothing. You know what I mean? Grit Life Clothing is uh, is like my limited liability company. Like, you feel what I'm saying? Like, it's just set up like that, bro. Yeah. I can't really explain it. You know what I mean? Uh, now, when you look back too, like you were talking about the your your career and the Grit Boys career, it's been up and down. You were saying just up and down, up and down. When you look back, what are what are some of the things, if anything, that you might change? Are you like, hey, this is just what it is? I would have signed to Steve Rifkin. Yeah. Okay. And no, I wouldn't change anything because I'm going to be rich off this shit before it's over. I wouldn't change it. But because it really made me appreciate everything that I have now. You know what I'm saying? It makes me appreciate the lessons, the time I spent with Hawk, the things Powell did for us and gave us. You know what I'm saying? And speaking of him, I ain't spoke to him in like eight years. Really? Mm. Nah. So it ain't that things just change over time, right? So I just learned, like in a situation with him, he don't owe me nothing. You know what I'm saying? So it was a point of time where I treated him like he owed me something. Mm. And that's what I would change. But I was a youngin', so it's like, like nobody owe you nothing in a rap game. No period. So it's just be uh And that's a good take, because a lot of times when people say nobody owes you anything, they're looking at it as I don't owe anything to anybody. But you're saying at that same token, nobody owes me anything either. Like no. done is done. Y'all don't owe me nothing. That man put us on. Like when people, you know, it was like a lot of influence around, like, man, that nigga ain't fucking child no more. Da, 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 da. But it really wasn't it. And it was a point of time where Hawk went and did this thing with Trey and did Swang. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest. It was a conversation that it was a situation that Trey had with Hawk and I put them back together. Me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then Swang came out. Feel me? So yeah. He really was with Trey a lot while we was with Paul doing our thing. So I realized at some point he didn't owe me nothing. I used to look like, damn, I ain't seen, I ain't been fucking with how uh, I've been busy. You know what I'm saying? But I would talk to him, but he ain't taking me with him. He had to do him. Yeah. I had you little niggas. So when I'm doing me and nigga, I was like, well, bro, I put you on two CD. I put you on the third mixtape. I did this. So I introduced you to this. I don't have to carry you through my whole career. So that's the same thing with the grid boys. Any business entity I do or anything that Paul, he didn't have to like 
oh, I'm gonna hire y'all to sell grills too, just cause I rap with y'all. That I learned that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can't expect shit, bro. Like everybody got a family and everybody got a fend for themselves. Like when you grow and people start having families and shit. I learned that, bro. I had to start worrying about myself more, bro. I used to always want me and my niggas say, hey, everybody, I'm gonna put you on a song and that. Nah, bro, you can't. You can save everybody, but you can't help everybody. Yeah. That, 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 that is definitely, that's definitely true. That is, that is, that is great, man. That is a way that we can end this because that is just, that's perfect. But before we really get out of here, school like school yonder, where can we find you though? At school yonder, right? Um, S C O O Y U N D A, and um, Grit Life Clothing is the Instagram. I don't want to confuse people, but that's the Instagram because it's more familiar with the Grit Boys. You know what I'm saying? Okay. The business has its own Instagram, but the site is GoodBusinessClothing.com. Feel me, and then also another thing with the grid life, it's kind of, it kind of hits a glass ceiling if you're trying to tap into a different market. So that's pretty much what a good business, you know what I'm saying, takes in place. You know what I'm saying? This for the streets. That's for the mainstream. Yeah, that's real. That's real as hell, man. Once again, y'all. This is In My Humble Opinion Podcast. I've been Avery like a very nice guy. I've been here with my brother, Jeff Devon, and we had our guest today, Scoot Yunda of the Grip Boys. He gave us everything that we needed to know that was going on with the Grip Boys at that time and what's going on further. Humbly yours, In My Humble Opinion Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for coming out. I want to thank you guys for riding in your car running whatever hearing us on your uh on them uh what's some things that i just i lost my um uh my wireless headphones the apple headphones man thought i lost them but i did find them but it is what it is it's another good day humbly yours and my humble opinion podcast happy birthday make the stallion call, call me bye <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>